Acts chapter 9, beginning in the 17th verse today. Beginning in the 17th verse today. We will conclude this message, amen, entitled Step Up. And we've looked at the life of Saul. We know that he was, uh, I call him Saul bin Laden. Amen. He was, he was a man with bad intentions, right? He was heading down the Damascus Road. Some of you been down that road, right? On his way to what? To destruction. But God stepped in his life. Come on, somebody. And God, transformed him. Amen. Look what it says. It says, so Ananias departed and entered the house. And you know whose house that is, the house of Judas. And after laying his hands on him, said, brother Saul, my, 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 the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled Oh my gosh, with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he regained his sight and he got up and was baptized. Turn to your neighbor and say, baptized. And he got up and was baptized and he took food and was strengthened. Now, for several days, he was with the disciples who were in Damascus. And immediately, he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is, he is the son of God. I want to talk about this morning, seven things needed to step up. Seven things that's needed to step up. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and mercy. We thank you again for allowing us this opportunity to come into your presence. Forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Create in us, Lord, a clean heart and renew a right spirit in us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd have your way right now, God. Speak to us, Father God. Speak to us right now. Holy Spirit, you be the preacher now. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God will last forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank God. You may be seated in the presence of God. We have, throughout this series, Step Up, looked at, we started off by saying that he who began a good work in you will complete it. We understood that God does not have any unfinished products. That whatever God began began in your life, he will complete it. Then we transitioned through the passage and we got into the book of Acts. And my intentions was to spend one week there. But I, I became so intrigued with the life of Saul. And how God took a man who was totally opposite and he transformed him and began to use him for his glory. I don't know about you, but it's amazing when I look at who God uses 
and how he uses them. It's amazing because sometimes I sit back and I look over my life and I say to myself, I can't believe that God is using me in this capacity. I look at your life. I look at some of you and I look at how you were when you first came to church and how your life was and how you've transitioned from year to year and how you you have matriculated and you have matured and you have uh, got to the place now where you're, you're better than what you used to be. I wish I had somebody. I, 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 when I look at your life, saints, I, I want to tell you as a pastor, as your pastor, I want to say to you, it's amazing to me to see where God has brought you from. Come on, somebody. It's, it's, it's truly a miracle because I understand that all I've done throughout these years is preach the word of God. I have not brought tricks. I haven't told you about magic. I didn't tell you you got to jump over any hoops. I didn't tell you you have to be super spiritual. But all I did and all I've been doing for the last 11 years is preaching the word of God. I believe that the word of God is so powerful that it can penetrate through any circumstance, any situation that you find yourself in. This morning, I believe that God has a word for you. I believe that for in order for people to get to the point in their lives, amen, where they are trusting God and serving him, amen, I believe that something needs to happen. Something needs to happen in their hearts to, for them to understand that it was nobody but Jesus that changed my life. What you're looking at right now is a miracle. And now you can turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I am a miracle. You don't understand where the Lord has brought. Come on, somebody. If you only knew, if you only knew the way I spent my nights, I wish I had somebody. If you only knew some of the places I've been, come on, somebody. If you really understood the story about how far I was from God and how he pulled me in and he transformed me and he metamorphosized me. What you're looking at today is a miracle and that's what I see when I look at this congregation. That's what I see when I look at you individually. I know that you are heading down another road. And I told you throughout this series that God had another plan. Do I have somebody? I want to say to somebody here today, there are seven things that you need. And I believe that these seven things will put the icing on the cake. It will bring you to the place where you can say, I'm no longer standing on the sidelines anymore. I love when people come to me and say, Pastor, you know what? I'm enrolled back in school or I've gotten a better job or I'm trying to do better. I'm enrolled in this. I'm trying to do this with my spiritual life. It's amazing to me because one thing that the enemy wants to do, he wants to discourage us from going forward. Do you know 
that the enemy wants you to sit there and have a pity party with yourself? Do you know that the enemy wants you to think that you can't when God says, I have started something in you. And guess what, child? Before you close your eyes, you will see it come to pass. You may be on a delay right now, but God says, listen, I will give you the determination to go forward. I understand that failure no more is an option for me because I understand who I serve. Somebody's going to get that in a minute. You're going to get that in a minute. You're going to understand. I told you last week that in order for you to step up, you have to accept your calling. Amen. There's nothing, listen, there's nothing like a reluctant servant. And if you're going to step up and you're going to do something, you have to accept who you are. In other words, you and I have to be comfortable in our own skin. Come on, somebody. You may say, well, I wish I was tall enough or I wish I was, yeah, amen. I was, you know, wide enough or whatever you want to say. Amen. The one thing I want to tell you, who God made you to be, you got to be, turn to your neighbor and say, I got to be comfortable with who I am. Amen. I'm not going to try to be anybody else. Amen. And the one thing about Saul, as we saw him coming down the Damascus road, what did we see? We saw a man who was driven by what? He was driven by hate. And I told you last week that some of us embrace our, our, watch this, the hate and the hurts. And that's what drives us, come on somebody, in the journey. But I want to encourage you today that if you embrace these seven things and you apply it to your life, you will come off the sidelines of life. We find that Saul here in chapter 9, we find that he had been at Judas' house. He had been there for three days. The Bible says in verse 17, it says, so Ananias, this is one of the longest, to me, one of the longest verses in this whole section. It says here in verse 17, it says, well, let me back up to verse 16 and verse 17 uh, Paul, God told Ananias, the reluctant servant, <clears throat> he told him, you know, sometimes God is going to ask you to do things that you don't want to do. How many have been there? You're like, man, I, man, I don't, I don't, I don't think I want to do that. I, you, I, you, know, you know what? I'll pass. Let, let me pass on that. Right. But, but it's amazing because if, if God, watch this. First of all, here's how you got to look at that. Look at it. First of all, if God is remotely interested in you, (laughs) then you ought to say, thank you. Because God can use someone else. Are you with me? And you know what I found out in scripture? All of the people who were reluctant to be used by God, guess what God did? God used them anyhow. Every person, I, I looked at Moses. Moses said, I, 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 I can't talk. I, I stutter. <laughs> what, what did God say? Come here. I got Aaron for you. <laughs> Amen. Come here, Jonah. Jonah said, I ain't going. I, he had, he was prejudiced. He's like, I ain't going. I said, okay, no problem. Go on your way. Go, go on your way. Where'd he find himself? Three days in the belly of a what? Of a fish. Amen. So all through scripture, you find that people that hesitate are the ones who God says you ain't getting out of it. So you know what that means? 
If God has chosen you, you ought to be good with it. Don't worry about how you're going to do it. Watch this. Watch this now. Don't worry about how you're going to do it. Just know this, that God was the one that chose you to do what he's calling you to do. Come on, somebody. You're going to get that in a minute. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm chosen. I'm chosen. I'm chosen. Listen, I have a plan. God has a plan for my life and I'm chosen by God. Watch this, watch this. So the Bible says that God, but the Lord said, verse 15, if you look at it, said to him, go for he's a what? Chosen instrument of mine to do what? To bear my name. Come on, somebody. Before what? Gentiles, kings, and the sons of Israel. Now watch this. May I say this to you? Whatever God is calling you to do, it's going to be bigger than you. And not only that, but you're not going to be able to accomplish it on your own. That's the reason why you have to step up. Because God says, all you have to do is take the first step and I'll do the rest. The problem with most people in ministry is that they fight ministry. They fight their calling because they're thinking, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't know what you know. But God is not asking for that. You know what God is asking for? A willing worker. A submitted saint. Come on somebody. A spiritual believer. He wants you and I to stop worrying about the hows and say who. Turn to your name and say who. God of course. (laughs) Amen. It's not about the how. It's about the who. Who's calling you? Who's asking you to step up? God is, right? So watch this. Watch the text. The text says that God told Ananias, this is what I have for him. Verse 16. He says, for I will show him, this is the part we don't like. I will show him what? How much he must what? Suffer. And I told you last week, when you step up, you cannot forget the matter of what? Suffering. There's the motive for suffering. Come on, somebody. There's the magnitude of suffering. And then there's the motive of suffering. And may I say this to you? The more you suffer, the better you become. The more you go through the fire, the more you come out purer than gold. The more you go through those things that God is... Listen, you think it's your spouse... It's not your spouse. It's you. God is trying to change you. You think it's the kids. They're getting on your nerves. But guess what? It's you that God is trying to get you to get some patience. Come on, somebody. You think it's your boss. Oh, it's them. It's the job. Mm, Mad every day. Going to work. Just upset. (laughs) But let me rewind in your mind for a minute. Watch this. Remember when you didn't have a job? Remember when you were sitting around saying, man, I wish if I can just get a job. If I can, man, Lord, I promise you, Lord. And from the time you get two weeks later, I hate this job. I, shoot, I hate this job. Shoot, they always doing this and they always doing that. And, you know, we complain so much about the very thing that we prayed for. Watch this. Then it becomes a curse rather than a blessing. And so what we find is that what God was calling Saul to be was a preacher. But also he was calling him to introduce the gospel to the Gentiles. 
His calling was so great. And I want to say something to somebody here this morning. I want you to hear my voice today. I want to say something to you. You have been called, watch this, to something great. God has a calling upon your life. And until you step up, you won't realize it. I'm not blowing smoke at you. I want to tell you that he has a great plan for you. The question is, are you willing to step up? So what are these seven things that you need? Well, we know that Ananias did not want to go. Verse 17 now. The text says, look what it says. It says, you know, Saul here is at Judas's house. He's disabled for three days. Right? Remember that? He's fasting and praying. Remember a man who was the total opposite. It's amazing when you get saved how you start praying, right? Amen. God commissions Ananias to overcome his fear and watch this, and heads to Judas's house to carry out God's plan. God could have saved Paul a different way, but he had to save him this way to get his attention. Could it be that God had to take you through, come on somebody, what you're going through so that he could get, come on somebody, your attention? Could it be that God had to bring you through that thing the way he had to bring you through it so that you would step up and take him seriously. If it would have happened any other way, watch this, you wouldn't be sitting here today. You, you wouldn't be giving him praise. You, you wouldn't be giving him glory. Are you with me? And so the question is, what are these seven things? So verse 17 says, so Ananias departed and entered the house. Ananias did what? He departed from where he was unreluctantly and he was heading to whose house? Judas's house. I told you what a combination. You got Judas and you got Saul in the same house. Amen. It's amazing how God will take your enemy. Come on, somebody. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's, huh? The fullness thereof. He says not only that, but he says that he'll make your enemies your footstool. He says if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Because God knows how to use anybody. He can choose any one of us. And so we find that here he is. He departs. And he enters in the house, once convinced, Ananias lost no time, amen, in doing what God had called him to do. Now watch this. I want to show you something. This is why it's so important that you step up. Because if you and I keep standing on the sidelines, somebody's life is being held up because of you. You got to tell your wife. You got to tell your children, you got to tell your family, listen, I'm going to serve God because the, the mission is too important. Come on, somebody, for you to, to put it to the side. Now watch this. The first thing you need out of the seven things, the first thing you need, we need a what? A compassionate minister. Now, why do I say that? Well, Ananias was afraid. Right? He was scared. He was afraid of Paul's rep, Saul's reputation. But what I found is that we need people who have compassion. 
We need people who can minister to people who come from the other side of the tracks. I'm going somewhere. We need people who can look at a person in spite of their shortcomings. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm trying to help you with something. We, we have to look at people that in spite of them getting high. See, see that, I know when I get there, y'all going to say amen with me. In spite of them uh-huh, uh-huh, lying. In spite of them living in the flesh, in spite, we need a minister who is so compassionate that he can look past your faults. Isn't that, isn't that what Jesus did? But today, what do we find in church? We find people judging. We find people saying, oh, she don't belong here, or he don't belong there, or, you, you know, and here it is, Ananias, he overcame his obstacle within himself. I'm talking to somebody today, listen, you got to overcome the obstacle within yourself. You and I have to stop hesitating because we feel like we can't or we got, or not good enough. But I want to say something to you. It takes someone with compassion to see your problem. And what Ananias did is he stepped up. He took the rain and he says, listen, if God, watch this, if you don't want to be used by God, God will use somebody else. And some of us are reluctantly serving we're reluctantly giving him of our time, of our time and our treasures and our talents. But God says, if you're going to be used by me, you have to have some form of compassion. We need a compassionate minister. That's what we need. We need somebody to minister to us so that we can minister to who? To others. We need somebody compassionate to minister to us so that when I see you going through and you don't want to hear from me, I can still love you anyhow. We need somebody with compassion who can feel your pain for what you're going through. Somebody here this morning, I want to tell you something. We've been in church a long time and maybe we've been religious and not relational. But it takes compassion to look past a person's fault and say, you know what, God, I see some good in that person. Yeah, you may have been stumbling lately, but I want to tell you something. God knows your heart. I know you mean well, but you can't do well. But compassion will say, you know what, I know eventually one day you're going to do well. I wish I had somebody here who can feel for other people. Listen, it's not all about us. It's not just all about me, what I can get. It's about feeling. The word compassion means to feel from your inner core. And so I believe that's the first thing we need. We need a compassionate minister. But look what the text says. The text says, he, he, so he departed and entered the house and and watch this. And after laying his hands on him, he said to Brother Saul, now notice, notice this. He went, he didn't change his name yet. He changed the category that he was in. Watch this. He said, Brother Saul. Now, watch this now. First of all, he was a sinner. Now he's a brother. He said, Brother Saul, that word brother means Adolphus. That word, that word brother means of the same family. And you know what? It's a shame how we treat family. Come on, somebody. And especially the people in the church. <laughs> it's amazing how we always have our feelings on our shoulders. 
somebody step on your shoes, you get all upset. But it's amazing how we'll put up with our earthly family and they give us more hell. I wish, I wish I had somebody. He said, brother Saul, the first thing that Ananias, see why I say compassion? Watch this. Ananias just said, God, he's the one that's killing everybody. Am I painting the picture? And I, and I just told God, he said, God, he's the one that was killing people. Are you serious? But now he runs into the house in Judas's house. And he says, brother Saul. Now watch this. He laid his hands upon him. I wish I had you. He laid hands upon him for, for a couple reasons. Now the laying of the hands is very symbolic. The laying of the hands has to do with consecration. In other words, what Saul, what, what Ananias was saying to Saul, Saul, you've been set apart. I'm going somewhere. When God lays hands upon you, when he puts his hands upon you, don't you take that lightly. When God lays his hands on you and says, Brother, brother, brother Troy, brother Troy, uh, br- br- brother John, brother John. When, what he's saying is that you've been set apart for something special. But the problem with us saints is that what we do is that we get the call, but we're not committed, watch this, to the cause. Oh, I wish I had somebody. I had, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we get the call, but we're not committed to the cause. And when life, come on somebody, watch this down. Now, if Saul was to act like some of us, we wouldn't be saved today. We wouldn't even heard the gospel because right after he got called, he got, he got into suffering. He got into some mess. They were trying to kill him. And oftentimes when God has placed his hands upon you, come on somebody. Not only does the hand represents consecration, but the, the hand represented his healing. Lord have mercy. You know one thing about God? When he puts his hands on you. Come on somebody. He heals you. He heals you of your sin sick soul. He heals you of, of, of a depraved mind. He Come on somebody. The hands of God means something. But not only is it healing. But watch this. It's also recognition. It's also confirmation. So my next point is, not only do we need a compassionate minister, but we need what? If we're going to step up, we need confirmation. Don't you step up and step out if God didn't put his hands on you. Come on, somebody. And don't you try to preach if God didn't call you to preach. And don't you try to be a deacon if God didn't call. If God didn't lay hands on you and set you apart, Get out of it. Just be a learner. But even with that, we struggle. We need what? Confirmation. Because look what he says. He said, Brother Saul, now what Ananias was doing, he was literally repeating to Saul what God had told him in the vision. And look what he said, Brother Saul. Watch this. Confirmation. The Lord Jesus who what? Appeared to you. Now how did he know that? See this is why you need a compassionate called minister. I should have said that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. A compassionate what? Called minister. 
Because watch this, if I'm preaching right now and you're like, I don't know what he's saying, something wrong. Not with me, with you. <laughs> you got to fix that. <laughs> Amen. But whenever you come to church and, and you hear the preacher preach, don't you say, man, he's talking to me. He's, he's talking to me. I don't know how he got in my house. I, I think somebody then called him and told him something about what's going on. But watch this. This is deep, right? Here's the thing. Don't you move until you get confirmation. But see, here's the thing. The confirmation moves you. The confirmation gives you, watch this, it gives you the fuel to keep going. And oftentimes, this is what happens to us. We forget about the confirmation. Listen, if God has called you and saved you, how do you know? I know you're sitting here today. Give God a hand clap praise for that. Amen. And, and confirmation gives you the confidence, come on somebody, to say, God, I can do this. I can do all, even though the context of that is in Paul, the preacher, but he says, I can do what? All things. Through who? Christ. Who what? Strengthens me. And so one of the things that Ananias was doing, he was laying hands on him. Watch this. The laying of the hands does not give him the power to step up. Don't, don't get mixed up now. Let's, hey, just in case you want to know. The laying of the hand simply means that you've been set apart. Now you got to build a relationship with God. You and I have to build a relationship with him in order for us to watch us to know which direction to go in. And the reason why we have not been going or stepping up is because we've forgotten the confirmation. Come on, somebody. He says, God will appear to you in the road, right? He says what? He sent me. Is that what he said? Is that what he said? He says, by, he said, by, uh, to the road which you were coming. So, how, watch this. The one thing about God, he knows all about it. And when you hear your minister or your pastor preaching and you hear something, that's, that's confirmation. Don't misunderstand that. And if you say, man, I've been thinking about that for a while, that's confirmation. Watch this now. Not only do we need confirmation, but look at the second part of the verse. He says, he has sent me, watch this now, so that you may what? Regain your sight. Here's the thing. If we're going to step up, not only do we need what? What's the first thing we need? Compassionate minister. Not only do we need confirmation, but the next thing we need is restoration. You see, we can't run if we can't see. We can't, st- listen, you may have want, listen, how many of you have been trying to step up for a little while now? How many of you been trying to step up? The question is, have you experienced the restorative power of the gospel? Listen, when you fall, you've got to be restored. Just running back to church, and sitting there saying, yeah, amen, 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 amen. And then watch this. 
About a month later, you're gone. You hadn't been restored. You haven't gotten your sight back. Watch this. God was relensing. Listen to the word now. You may want to write this down. He was relensing Saul. I'm prove that in a minute. He was relensing him. So he had to cause him to lose his physical sight so that he can start seeing spiritually. And watch this. Saul knew the Bible. He knew all of the Old Testament. And what God was doing was relensing him so that he would look from Genesis to Malachi and he would see Jesus. Somebody here this morning, I want to tell you something. God is trying to relens you. God is trying to give you eye surgery. He wants you to see your life differently. He wants you to look through some different lenses so that you could understand that without restoration, come on somebody, you can't move forward. It wasn't until he says, he says, God says, I've laid my hands on him so that God sent me so that you can regain what? Your sight. May I say this to you? They say, how can they hear without the preacher? How can they preach unless they're what? Sent. And if you don't understand preaching, the Bible says that maybe Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they may not understand the glorious truth of the gospel. So if what I'm saying to you doesn't make any sense, boo, you got a problem with not me. You have a problem with your connection. Do I have anybody? And watch this. Watch this. We need what? Restoration. So always put yourself in a place to ask yourself, God, do I need to be restored? It's my relationship with you, God, what is supposed to be. Listen, we can, we, listen, you know what I found out in Christianity? Christianity is one of the, one of the religions that you can fake. You can fake it. You just come in and watch what everybody does, and then you're like, okay, they clap, let me clap. All right. Let, let me call myself brother. I'm a brother or I'm a sister. Okay, brother, sister. Hey, okay, good. See, he didn't call him brother until he was what? Saved. Follow what I'm saying? And here's the thing. He needed to be what? Restored. And somebody here today, I want to tell you something. Some restoration needs to happen in your heart. You've been broken. Come on, somebody. You, you've been hurting. You've been, listen, you have some pain. And watch this. The reason you keep stepping and falling back is because you need to be restored. Watch this. Now. Watch what he says. He says, Brother Saul, God sent me here so that you could what? You could what? Regain what? Your sight. Now watch this. Now, now let me say this. It's in the subjunctive mood. Now watch this. This is the part that really got me about the subjunctive mood here. It's the mood of probability. So it means that it does not affirm the action. It's kind of like it'll happen, but it's up to you. Subjunctive mood. He was saying, God sent me to, God sent me here. So you can regain your sight after I put my hands on you. But guess what? It's up to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's up to you. 
I'm saying one more time. It's up to turn to your other neighbor, the other one on the other side, somewhere, somewhere. Say it's up to you. It's up to you. It's listen. I I, I can't do. I can give you the information, but you have to act upon what you heard. Are y'all with me? Watch this now. Watch. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Watch what he said. So he said. He said. He said. He sent me so that you may regain your sight. But watch this. Watch this. Watch this now. This is a key component. This is why a lot of people don't make it in ministry. This is why a lot of people step down in life. This is why a lot of people, when they start struggling, they, they, they quit. Right? Watch this. Watch what he said. And be what? Filled. With the what? May I tell you something? Without the Holy Spirit. I, I, I thought y'all would be shouting right there. <laughs> I had a picture in my mind when I was preaching this, you know. Y'all help me get this picture right, okay? He says, and be filled with what? Could it be the reason that I haven't stepped up yet is because I haven't been filled, come on somebody, with the Holy Spirit. May I say this to you? It is the Holy Spirit's ministry. That's alive today. The preacher preaches because the spirit is in him. You can pray because the spirit of God is inside of you. Come on somebody. Without the Holy Spirit, we have nothing. The Bible says that Jesus says, I go away and I leave you. Hallelujah. A helper who will what? Who will help you. The word Helper means, the word Holy Spirit means parakaleo, and the word means to come alongside you. In other words, you have a partner in this ministry. You have a partner in life. So here it is. I can't get along with anybody. I have no Holy Spirit. I can't get along with my kids. The Spirit is not there. I can't get along with my husband. There's no Spirit in the house. Listen, the Bible says be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now here's the question. When you look at your life, hallelujah, do you see any fruits? Because it's the Spirit of God. You know what? You know what I found out? If Saul did not have the Holy Spirit, he wouldn't have no ministry. Saints, I want you to take another look at this. I want you to take another look. The next thing that you need, not only do we need restoration, but we need Holy Spirit power. You know what I found out? Why I'm lazy? (laughs) I'm not in spirit. My body may be feeling bad, but the spirit of God will come up in me. Anybody, anybody feel this presence? Anybody? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Do I have anybody that know what it's like to be filled? The word plareo, the, mean, the word means to, to be soaked. That's what it means. It means like a sponge going in water and it's soaked. It means to be controlled. 
And here's the thing, saints. If you're going to step up and do anything for God, this is the problem with the disciples before. The, the disciples before could not stick with it. Listen, they had good knowledge. See, you don't want to be religious. You and I need to be relational, but we need to be spiritual. And how do I become spiritual? I need the spirit. I need to ask the Holy Spirit. Do you know how you get filled with the spirit? You ask him when? Every day. Because the flushes, the sealing is permanent. I don't want to deal with the issue of receiving it later, but that's another thing, right? But, but watch this. When you get saved, you're filled, you're sealed. Come on, somebody. And, you, and you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit immediately upon confessing Christ. When you all accepted Christ last week, those of you who got saved, you immediately accepted Christ and the Holy Spirit came and lived inside of you. Saints, I want to tell you something. If we're going to do anything for God, we got to stop doing it in the flesh. If we're going to do something for Jesus, we got to start doing it in the spirit. The reason why you got church fights and church splits and folk walking away is because the spirit of God is not dwelling in some of us. And what we have to do is some of us have the spirit, but we're not asking the spirit to fill us afresh. Listen, even in sickness and pain, the Holy Spirit will fill you up and give you the drive to go forward. And if we're going to do ministry and if we're going to step up for God, we need what? The Holy Spirit. We need Holy Spirit power. The question today is, are you filled? You've been operating in the spirit. Have you been operating in the spirit at home, at school, at your job? Come on, somebody. In business, in ministry, without supernatural power, we have nothing. You know what the Bible says happened at Pentecost? The Bible says that the Spirit of God fell upon them. It came in like a rushing wind. And tongues of fire fell upon them. And they start speaking in other tongues so that they were now evangelistic. People started hearing them in their language. May I say this to you? I want to see spiritual power in you have the power if you're saved. If you're going to sing, you got to sing with the Spirit of God. If you're going to lead, you got to lead with the Spirit of God. If you're going to parent, you're going to have to parent with the, you have to co-parent with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is one of the forgotten members of the Trinity. And I want to say to somebody here today, you need to ask God to fill you afresh. And, and watch this, but you need to be restored first before you can receive the Holy Spirit. And when restoration happens and you have the Holy Spirit, when you get ready to go to school and you get ready to take that exam, the Holy Spirit is going to bring it right back to you. The Holy Spirit is not just for, for, for church, it's for every part of your life. And may I say this to somebody here this morning? You're, the reason why the feeling went away, because the filling went away. And that's the reason why you're trying to get it back, but you've been looking in the wrong direction. Works can't get it. 
submission can. Amen. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. And then he said, then he said, then he said, verse 18, verse 18. Now let's go to verse 18. And I'm almost done. I'm going to sit down. And immediately there fell from his eyes. Watch this. Something like what? Scales. And he regained his sight. And he got up and was what? Now let me just explain that. Baptism doesn't save you. Let me clarify that. So those of you that want your baby to be baptized, your baby don't get baptized. Matter of fact, your child don't never get, you know, when your child gets to an age of accountability, all right, that's when they accept Christ first, they receive the Holy Spirit, then they're baptized. Got it? It's in that order. Right? But in the meantime, if you have a baby, what we want to do is dedicate the baby to the Lord. Right? Now watch this. Watch this now. Baptism has to do with identification. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? That you're what? That you're a Christian. Saul, what was he before? So here's what you need if you're going to step up. Next thing. Take that old ID card you got and throw it away. Your past has been erased. Baptism does this. It says now you are identified with a new group. You want, me, you want me to help you with something? So here you go. You got the light in you. You shining bright. Got the Holy Spirit and everything. You've been baptized. You got a new ID card. But you show up at the club. You show up at the family reunion drunk. Filled with another spirit. Filled with the spirit of Bud Light. Filled with Alize. Come on, y'all, y'all, y'all. Let me see. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is the Jack crowd right here. <laughs> Filled with Jack. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, name them out, y'all. And, and then look. And then right after that, here you go in in the back with everybody else. But you will feel last week in church, you are, oh Lord, I feel it. Oh Lord, I feel it. Oh Lord, glory to God. Hallelujah. I feel it. It feels so good. And now. Y'all think I don't remember. You can't even talk. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Then you sit there and say, yeah. So, so you've been going to church. Yeah. You can't even remember. But you're doing good. You're doing good. Yeah. 
And then here's the thing. Let me ask you, can I ask you a question? Can I ask a true Will you answer the question? Do you feel convicted? <laughs> Watch this. You don't feel the conviction till after, right? You're like, tag. Man. So you know what you do? I ain't going to church this week. No way. Not this week. No. The, listen, the guilt is too strong. So you know what I mean? The Holy Spirit is like, you know, that's why he gave them to you. Right? So the Holy Spirit is there. You have a partner with you, right? And watch this. So, so, so you feel real bad, right? This, you're like, oh, I, ain't, I ain't going this week. Mm-mm. Then next week you come, you feel a little bit better. Hey, and, then, and then look, from the time you walk in, who you running to? Me. Hey, how you doing? Good, Pastor. <laughs> you didn't want to give me no hug no more. You, you know what I mean? So, what you, what you been doing? Oh, no, no, yeah, all right. <laughs> you, you know, and, and that's how it works. But the Holy Spirit, what you, what you and I have to do is yield to him first. So he'll tell you, hey, man, now you know you're supposed to go over there. Don't do that. You know, they say your first mind, it ain't your first mind no more. It's the Holy Spirit. And when you have Holy Spirit power, you can say, no, I don't, I don't need that anymore. See, your flesh is telling you you need it. But the Spirit says, you got me. You have everything you'll ever need. As a matter of fact, amen, I rose Jesus from the dead. As a matter of fact, I was in Jesus. As a matter of fact, I was the sperm that made Jesus. Come on, somebody. As a matter of fact, I am the power that wrote the word. So what else do you need? You need to get high? Get high on me. Get high in the word. And the word will bring you to where you need to be. If you're going to step up, you're going to need this. You're going to need a new identity. And so when you identified baptism, identifies you. That's why we're baptizing. When we baptize, we're saying, I no longer belong to the world. And so what you have to do is make up in your mind today that I'm no longer part of this world. Amen. Watch the next thing he says. He says in verse 19, verse 19, he says, and he took food and was what? Strengthened. So, you know, he was fasting. Now, for several days, watch what he did now. Some of you are missing this. Now, for several days, he was with the who? Who were at Damascus. The very people he was going to persecute is the very people that became his family. And somebody here today, I want to show you something. This is what you're lacking in your spiritual, spiritual life. The next thing we need, we need fellowship. So you come to church, <laughs> you get your word, and this you. I'm gone. You you don't want to sit around and talk with nobody. You want to run outside and smoke your shit. I mean, you want to go outside. You, you don't want to sit and say, hey, brother, how you doing? The Bible says that he was with them for how many days? He was with them for a couple of days. What were he with the other disciples? You know what he was doing? He was fellowshipping. He was growing. Saints, when church is over and you're running out the door, something is wrong. You need fellowship with other believers so that you can get stronger. And you need, listen, you need encouragement. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need encouragement. You need encouragement. Watch this now. Watch this. I'm closing out. 
You need encouragement. Tell your neighbor, you better encourage me. Shoot. Amen. Watch what he says next. Verse 20. The text says, and immediately, now this is the part that really got me. Here's a man who was on the total opposite side of the spectrum. And the Bible says, so I want to say to you, those of you who say, no, God, God then called so many people in this church. Listen, I'm just waiting for you. That's all I'm doing. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you. You know, you got to go to school, but I'm waiting for you. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I'm waiting for you. He says, and immediately, what did he do? Immediately, verse 20, he began to what? Proclaim who? Jesus. In the what? In the synagogue. Let me tell you about the synagogue. The synagogue, amen, was the total opposite. Come on, somebody. Of what, what, what Paul stood for now. And in the synagogue, he was standing before people that he used to stand with. And now he's standing in enemy's territory, proclaiming the very thing that he hated. Are you with me? I think y'all fool. I think y'all got enough. Watch this. Watch this. The synagogue was a building associated with religious activity. And so here he is in the synagogue and he was saying to them that Jesus is what? The son of God. The very last thing you and I need if we're going to step up. We need what? Boldness. To carry out our mission. Somebody here this morning, I want to tell you something. You got to be bold. You got to start saying, hey, you know what? If Listen, stop looking at your imperfections. Stop looking at things that you, you know, I, stop looking at how you're going to do it. And realize with the Holy Spirit, you could do anything. I'm saying one more time. With the Holy Spirit, you could do what? Anything. And because you have the Holy Spirit, you can go places that, listen, that you ne- I never thought I would preach internationally. I never thought I would preach, period. But Paul was relensed. And the reason that he could preach so quickly about Jesus it's because what he had already know what he had already knew about the old testament and when he looked at the old testament with the eyes of the spirit he saw jesus and he was convinced the question i have for you is are you convinced today are you convinced that jesus is the christ are you convinced that you've been called to step up To live a life that's pleasing unto God. You know, turkeys are interesting things. You know, one thing that turkeys do, they eat. That's all they do. They got wings, but they can't fly. You know, they try, but they can go nowhere. All turkeys do is what? Eat. Whenever you see them, they're waddling around eating, but not flying. There are a lot of Christians, amen, are like turkeys today. They waddle in on Sunday morning, sit down to be fed. They get up and waddle out. 
They waddle back in next Sunday to be fed before waddling out again. And they wonder why they can't fly anywhere. And why they're stuck on ground level. As I leave you right here in this message, I encourage you today to step up. You have everything you need. You need a compassionate called minister. We need what? Confirmation, restoration, Holy Spirit power, a new identity, fellowship, and boldness to carry out God's mission. Give God a hand clap of praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.